Warning! This episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of murder, and discussions about mental health. Creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together or apart remotely on our computers and we talk about something weird. weird. And this week, from opposite ends of the 405, we're doing another little mishmash, mix it up, helter skelter episode. This is when we take topics suggested by you, the wonderful listeners, that don't necessarily make sense for an entire episode focus, but they are definitely something we want to cover. So, we throw a bunch of ideas together and we make them one. Tonight, we got the usual suspects, a little murder, a little ghost chat, but we also ask the question, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you believe in magic? What are your opinions on ghost lights? <laughs> Hop on our weird, bumpy ride, because we're about to take off. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. A.K.A. Candice. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to introduce you as Candace. But just I, like, I would have lost I, my mind. I mean, I already I, laughed really hard. <laughs> I weirdos. We get some of the strangest emails. Um, they're not spam because they're sent from like real people with right. a company of some kind. Yes. But they very obviously don't know anything about us. Like we get so many. They're like, dear sir. And I'm like, sir, <laughs> like, what the fuck? There's like, no look man. at one picture of our podcast and then today we got one that starts hi candace <laughs> and we were like who's candace where did they get candace where we did you get understand it? we've it never really even had we've day. never had a guest named candace like nothing nope. no nothing very we weird. don't interact with candace cameron from full house like i just don't i don't <laughs> Actually, know yeah i don't know if i've ever met a candace no, I haven't either. I don't think I know one. So it was it was just hilarious. So was, I had to call you Candace. It was a surprise. I like it. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> Welcome to Keep It Weird. Lauren Ashley and Candace in the house. Hello. Everybody. It's Helter Skelter. We're talking about things that don't relate to each other in any way, yep. but it's going to be great. I like our Helter Skelter episodes. We first did it because, you know, we have people requesting things and and they're all, I mean, not all, but a lot of ideas that are sent in are really good. But some of them Agreed. is like, how do we make a whole fucking episode of this idea? Right. But we still want to talk about it. Exactly. So we're throwing them together. And tonight we have four very fun topics that I think you guys will enjoy. And I mean, they were suggested by you guys. So you better enjoy it. All right. <laughs> all right. If not, <laughs> I'm going to find you. I have a question. Do you follow yes. Leslie Jordan on Instagram? Oh, of course. My God. He has been getting me through this quarantine. He's kind of the only thing I can hold on to right now to have a high spirit. <laughs> I just love hearing that voice. Come on. Like, whale shit. Whale shit. I like how he starts all of his videos with like, hello, fellow hunker downers. 
know. It's the <laughs> accent. It's everything. I highly recommend we follow him. Oh my gosh. Yeah, everybody should. One of my favorite of him popping up, he goes, well, shit, and then paused and then said, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? <laughs> Just the most calm, wonderful voice. It really made my life. Um, oh, I, oh, you might yes. hear a screaming child. Yeah, Wilder <laughs> is hyped up. What'd you give He's him? What do you eat? Hyped. I don't know. He just had like some veggies and a little beef, but he's like ready to rock, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beef. I don't know. Maybe it's the beef. Uh, I gave Penny and Gabby beef for the first, like a beef flavored cat food. So I don't know how much of it's actually beef, but they got beef for the first time last week and they turned into fucking monsters. So it oh, might have wow. been the beef. It definitely could have. How was their gas, too? I feel like beef with cats would be kind of rough, or was it um, okay? It's fine. I don't really notice. The only one that farts really is Gabby, and she really only does it like as she's jumping up on you. It's like it gets <laughs> erupted out yeah, of her body. There's, I think, been a couple podcast episodes It may have been caught on the audio where she was sitting on my lap. I thought <laughs> we were having a lovely time. <laughs> she just Let ripped rip. one in my yep. face. And I, you know, I had gagged a little and had a special time. But we love her anyway. Yeah, she's sweet. She's sweet and stupid. And, you know, everybody farts. Yeah, we all do it. Everybody Everyone farts. Does it. Everybody poops. You know, we got to learn. <laughs> What well, else before we get started? Are you um oh should we bring oh. up the show, the Netflix show that you were telling me about? Oh yeah. Um so guys, there's a new Netflix show coming out. It doesn't have a release date yet, so this is sort of useless information. All Netflix says is 2020. So hopefully soon because we need all the television right now but it's called chaos and it is about mythological creatures like the dark side of gods and goddesses which we just talked about about you might see some familiar faces ones i mean all of you are smart intelligent people who know gods and goddesses so it won't just be ones we mentioned on the show (laughs) it'll be ones you probably know about but um it looks and sounds really fun like i said there's not there's not a trailer out. There's not even a date, but you can Google it and read a little bit about it. There's a couple familiar faces and names attached to it. So well, check it out. It sounds cool. Um, I wouldn't trust you to tell us who any of those people are. It stars um, Robert, De Niro Robert De Niro and Sienna Miller and <laughs> the, guy Love, <laughs> the guy from Love Actually. The guy from Love Actually. It's the cast of Stardust. I was laughing so hard. I mean, I know I said it at the beginning of the uh, last episode. I think I said it at the beginning of my open for the last episode. No, maybe I didn't. The funniest part about that whole thing was after we hung up the phone, like immediately after we're like, okay, save your file and send it over. Like we were doing that. And Lauren goes, you know what? I don't think that was the guy from Love Actually. <laughs> I know. I, I was, was so like, Lauren. I didn't catch that while we were still on the microphone, so I could have corrected myself. But I was like, hey, Ashley, uh, I'm looking a little closer at this guy. It's definitely not the no, guy from Love it's Actually. Not the guy. It's not the one. And she was like, you already said so many incorrect things. I can't believe that was wrong, too. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, then so you special. looked at the photo, you were like, let me see this for myself. And you're like, that's not Sienna Miller either. <laughs> I was like, listen, she is in the movie. <laughs> She's in it, but that's not No, that's Claire Danes, sweetie. That's Claire Danes. Yeah. Oh, God. You have you eyes like Joe. 
I know. I mean, I really can't see. And I don't think I was wearing my glasses either because we had done a video chat before. So I wanted to look glasses-less and was just <laughs> running blind. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. Speaking of video chats, the reason we were video chatting is because we have a new YouTube segment. And it's called What Was That? And it's basically Lauren and I bringing you a bunch of like creepy, paranormal, supernatural videos that we find on the internet. Um, and hopefully you like it. So far, it's gotten some really good uh, comments and and uh, likes. And... It's some of the most interaction we've had on YouTube. Lots I of know, people saying yeah. like, whoa, that was creepy. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you <laughs> okay, guys good. are just as scared as us because we, we're very freaked out by yeah, it. Yeah, I'm so... waiting for the first person to be like, this is fake. It's like, ah, the internet's so <laughs> mean. Fake. I hate you. We yeah, didn't make it. We didn't make the video. We're just showing right. y'all. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, be oh, nice. Shit. <laughs> um, oh, this is Leslie Jordan, and you're listening yes. to Keep It Weird. Signing off. Um, okay. okay, well, let's, jump let's, in. let's hop in. I'm gonna go first. So, one topic that has been suggested before, and most recently suggested by listener Jared Sims. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Jared. Is introversion and extroversion? Um, why some people are, why some people aren't? Is there a science behind it? Is it nature or nurture, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And I thought this was a really good time to discuss it, especially since introverts like myself are doing just fine. Thank you very much. During this I was time just gonna say this is the perfect time to talk about it because I. I, yeah, I have extrovert friends who are struggling. struggling. Me too. And then, yeah, I'm an introvert who's like, this isn't this so is bad. This is totally fine for me. I'm okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I brought this up a couple episodes ago that amazingly my anxiety is at an all-time low. Like, obviously, yeah. obviously, if I think about it, like, I get pretty anxious and depressed if I think about people dying or losing loved ones yeah. or if I think of, like, my financial situation or the fact that there are people who are out there suffering, <gasps> like, yeah, wilder. I know. Um, He's just squealing away. Yeah, if I think about that, like, I will spiral, but... In yeah. general, day to day, my anxiety is at an all time low. And yeah, which is um, beautiful, which is great. But it's something that I need to explore now because I always knew I had some social anxiety, but I really didn't think it was a huge part of my problems because I love hanging out with friends and yeah. I love meeting new people and being at a bar or a party. I would say I'm a social butterfly. Like, I'm. Yeah, pretty social. So how is it that I have so much social anxiety? How is it that right. I can call myself an introvert? Well, yep. it's science, bitch. <laughs> science us. So a lot of people think that introvert means shy, but it doesn't at all. I don't mind being the center of attention. I'm usually one to take charge of a situation. I consider myself to be a leader. Most of the jobs I've had have been a manager, so I'm right. not shy. You're a great leader. Yeah. Judging by appearances, I'm an extrovert, but I ain't. So, I know people are usually shocked to find out that I'm an introvert because I'm the same way. Like I'm loud, I'm talkative, I love friends, but I am 100% an introvert. And yeah, I'm hoping that you're going to prove that. Today. I am. So uh, the difference between introverts and extroverts, um, and this is just an example. Say there's like a backyard party, like a barbecue. And the party winds down and everyone starts to go their separate ways and someone suggests heading to a bar to keep the party going. The extroverts will likely go. The introverts, like me, will probably go home because we're exhausted. <laughs> like, I had a blast, but now I want quiet and I want this my cats fun, and I want I'm a blankie done. and I want my couch. Pajamas. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I love you so much, but I'm done. 
So for extroverts, social engagement, parties, concerts, like high energy atmospheres are refreshing and energizing. Like they're going to go home at the end of the night and they're going to be jazzed as fuck. They're going to be like pumped. Introverts get drained by atmospheres like that. And it doesn't mean that we hate them. It just means that a lot of the time, especially when you're a person who like works a full time job, you don't need to be drained like you're already drained. So Mm -hmm. like it takes a lot for me to work up the energy to go get sucked dry by a four hour party after a 40 hour work week or 60 hour work week. You know, I'm just like, no, I have to recharge. Um, there are other differences too, like in the way we handle situations, like extroverts usually will take action without thinking it through while introverts will have to mull it over before they make a decision. Um, if there's an issue, extroverts will want to talk about it and solve it right away. And introverts will want to give it time and space and like discuss it when they're ready. Yeah. Introverts are the opposite of extroverts in that like we're re-energized by spending time alone and extroverts feel bored and restless when they spend time by themselves. My gosh, I can't even imagine feeling bored and restless by no. myself. Like, I crave alone time and I thrive on it. I don't, I can't even fathom the other side. I'm like, yeah. oh, I get to be alone? Like, even I love my husband, but even there's nights where he'll be like, hey, I'm going to go out with the boys. Are you okay, like, being alone tonight? I'm like, hell yeah. I'm hell turn yeah. on the TV, do a face mask, like, do some podcast research. Like, it's going to be the best night. But, like, neither is right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, like, different. And um, there's a couple reasons for this. Part of it, I think, most of it is nature. But part of it, I think, has to be nurture. Like, I just look at my dad. My dad would rather spend the rest of his life not seeing anybody aside from my mom (laughs) and me and my sister. Like, he never has to see anyone again. Uh, He has no need for it. Well, I think my mom would go bananas. Yeah. Your mom is an extrovert, right? I think so. I mean, she's the life of the party, like including my parties. And she, <laughs> she's like, okay, being home. But I know that she'll be like, I have to go out. I have to see people other than you, Ronnie. Like I have to go do something. Yeah. Um, so I think she's probably more extroverted. But I, yeah. my dad is a 100% introvert. He can be alone in a cave and he'd be happy. Yeah. So I think yeah. I swing more towards my dad there. So nurture yeah. probably has a hand in it, but mostly it's part of your brain chemistry. And it has to do with the three key chemicals in our brains, which are dopamine, adrenaline, and acetylcholine. So starting with dopamine, we fucking love dopamine. We love it. Dopamine all day. (laughs) Dopamine (laughs) is a little treat that our brain gives us when we do certain things. And our brain is designed to motivate motivate us to repeat those things so that it can get more dopamine. And then adrenaline is sort of like power juice and it's sparked by physical and environmental situations. It's it's sparked by something external. And, um, you know, like risk taking, exciting activities. And usually when adrenaline is released by exciting things, usually not like fear things, but exciting things, more dopamine is released. So the reason that it's different for extroverts and introverts is that extroverts actually have more dopamine receptors in their brains than introverts do. Oh, luckies. Well, that actually means they need more dopamine to feel happy oh, because they're less so sensitive are satisfied to satisfied with less. Yeah. Okay. But so like the more they talk, move, engage in like stimulating activities, the more that they feel dopamine's effects. 
Okay. Introverts, though, we're actually sensitive to dopamine. So all that stimulation actually overwhelms us and makes us feel anxious. Okay. So we well, get overloaded. You just explained who I am as a person. <laughs> yeah. We get super <laughs> overloaded if we get too much dopamine. But it also means we're cool to stay home because we need way less of it to feel happy. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then there's the third chemical, the acetylcholine, which is linked to pleasure as well. But it's the chemical that makes us feel like relaxed and content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like very subtle pleasures. Think like, ah... Like that's acetylcholine. That's a hard one. I like that one. I do too. Relaxed. Well, when we engage in activities that are like low key, calming or mentally engaging, that's when we activate the acetylcholine. And for extroverts, the ah feeling just like doesn't even compare to the dopamine rush of a large gathering. But for us introverts, we crave it because it's not going to overstimulate us, but it makes us happy, which is why we're happy to just like read a book at home by ourselves where it's quiet. Yes. So those three chemicals play a huge part in it. But also it's not just about them. It turns out our physical brains have something to do with it as well. So in 2012... A Harvard psychologist conducted a study that determined that people who identify as introverts tend to have larger and thicker gray matter in certain areas of the prefrontal cortex, and people who identify as extroverted have thinner gray matter in those same areas. So so what does that mean? Well, the prefrontal cortex is a region of the brain that is associated with um, abstract thought and decision-making. So Uh because of the thicker and thinner gray matter, uh, this doctor, Dr. Randy Buckner, thinks that introverts tend to devote more neural resources to abstract pondering while extroverts tend to live in the moment because they have thinner gray matter. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. That also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's not just chemicals. It's also like the physical makeup of our brains, too. Right. In 2013, there was another study that I wanted to touch on. Oh, is that Wilder? I know. Is he crying? Yeah, he's, he's getting his diaper changed, which oh, he no. just hates. Why do babies hate that, by the way? I don't know. It hits an age where they start to hate it, and I feel like all of the moms will hear this and agree. Like, when they're little, they don't care as much. They're just sort of like, sure, whatever, I'm a blob, and I get that you're taking care of me and you have to do this. But once they get a little older and become aware, it's suddenly like, you're taking advantage of me. I don't know. It just becomes this horrible thing. Like, we're trying to restrain them even more. So it's it's just been a treat from about, like, 10 months on. Uh, He's hated diaper changes and screams his head off, as you just heard, little buddy. Is everyone or just, like, most of them? Most. There was one today I was able to distract him with the ceiling fan when he was laying he on his back fans. getting his diaper changed. He does. I turned on the ceiling fan and he just started pointing to it and going, ooh. ooh. So he got very happy. So you can get him on a couple, but usually it's a disaster. So um, in 2013, there was another study done at Cornell. And I'm not going to get into like the total minutia of it, but... Basically, what they did is they took a sample of introverts and extroverts and randomly split them into two groups, like mixed them up, split them into two groups. And the first group took Ritalin and the second group took a placebo. And then they showed everyone these videos. And I guess they were like pretty landscape shots and forest scenes and stuff like that. So after three days of video watching, they took away the Ritalin altogether and gave everyone placebos just to see what would happen. 
and extroverts who had taken Ritalin were excited by the film, even though um, there was an absence of the drug. They showed like no change in their reaction to the films. They instinctively associated happy and exciting feelings with the videos that they had watched. They didn't know they took Ritalin. So (laughs) introverts weren't happier or more alert post video, regardless of whether they'd taken Ritalin or not. So because of this study, they determined that in their opinion, it was because of the way introverts and extroverts process their feelings of excitement because extroverts associate the feeling as a reward from their environment. So like the external environment and introverts associate feelings, uh, good feelings with their inner thoughts. And because of that, they might interpret uh, feelings coming from their environment as anxiety. Okay. So even so to, I just want to be clear that I understood that. So introverts, when they took the Ritalin and when they were on the placebo in both cases, were not more excited at no. all. Okay. So just either time, it was like, I don't care about the environment. <laughs> care it's about what this. I'm dealing with yeah. inside. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about your stupid video. Um, yeah. It, basically, whether they took the Ritalin or not, they were just like, cool. Can cool, I go whatever. back home? <laughs> yeah. Can I be on my Can couch? I go do my own thing now? So um, say you're an introvert who wants to be an extrovert. Is that possible? Um, Science says, I don't know. (laughs) Of course. Mm. A little shrug. Who knows? We don't have like a clear grasp on personalities and brain chemicals yet. And I know this because of the amount of drugs I've had to take in order to become stable. And then within a year or two, my brain has decided it doesn't like them anymore. And they'll either start to make me sick or just stop working. And then I have to get on different drugs or more drugs like... That's so wild. Haven't figured that part out yet. Um, But if it is all brain chemicals, like we're on the way there. Like I think that science is getting more advanced when it comes to figuring out how to balance people's chemicals, brain chemicals and stuff. For sure. Maybe. Um, But if it's brain chemicals plus a personality change, we're pretty far off. Some psychologists believe that it's possible, but others say that by the time you've hit 30, your personality is set in stone. Yeah, I remember hearing that. And I sort of, I feel like I have experienced that too since I've turned 30. I'm like, I am who I am. We're stuck. I am who I am. Leave me alone. Or like (laughs) Freud. Freud thinks that by the time, I think by the time you're five, your personality is set in stone, which is interesting. I don't know about that. Freud had a lot (laughs) of ideas that I question, but. Yes, for sure. I just, I feel like, how do you, how do you know who you are at five? Things could change. I was going to say, uh, just judging by certain people that I know, that's not at all true. Like, you know, those people yeah, that can, 100%. that are like different people with different people. Yes. Where you're like, who exactly. are you? Where you? They just adapt to like whoever they're with. It's like, I don't even know you. Yeah. But I also feel like those people have no personality. Right. They, or maybe they, have they haven't a figured it out. Like they're very interesting. And I want, I don't want to know more, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I want to study them like a science experiment. <laughs> exactly. Cause it is fascinating where you're like, totally man, wild. you change with every person you're dating or you change with whatever friends yeah. you're hanging out with. It's like, it's a good quality to be adaptable. I think like I consider myself adaptable to different situations, but like, 
then it goes too far sometimes. Some people adapt to the point where it's like, I am becoming my environment yeah. and becoming wherever I am. And that's where I think it gets a little dangerous and you lose sight of who you are. When I, especially like in high school, when there are different kind of groups, like once you're an adult, you're like, this is who I hang out with. Like, sorry. Yes. But like in high school right. when there are, I was a floater. Like I hung out with popular Same. people. I hung out with band people. I hung out with goths. Right. Like I hung out with everyone, but I didn't change. Like I wasn't right. a different person with all these people probably the popular people more so I was more quiet because I just like didn't yeah. know what to say I was <laughs> so like, most of the time I was like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about right but I'll sit here yeah. and smile and nod exactly um, but you can learn to put yourself out there more often by achieving like emotional stability and conditioning yourself to live in the moment and not in the future which is something that extroverts it comes so much easier to them yeah. And um, this is just something that I wanted to add in. Um, the th- the easiest way to like achieve that is meditation. Ah. Meditation, meditation. Like I have two books that I love and I wish I could remember which one of them is called. It's just like a daily meditation thing. I'll post it somewhere. Like it just sort of teaches you how to meditate and it starts at like super low, like five minute intervals of meditation. You just do one a day and it works itself up and they're different every day. Like it's like today you're going to meditate while you do the dishes. So it's like, Uh while you do the dishes today, this is what you're going to do. And so it's just like little activities like that. So it's not just like sit and be quiet. It like teaches you how to meditate in like different situations. Um, The other book I do remember the name of because it's so funny. It's called Buddha Walks Into a Bar. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And it's about like being a modern sort of like modern day Buddhist, but like without being a monk. Sort of. But they have helped me so much to be in the moment that I'm in like right now as opposed to living in the discomfort of the past or fear of the future or whatever. But oh, that's what I need. Yeah, I need to be better at that. I'm so bad. I at it. most of the time, like the past is a past. I don't give a shit. Like sometimes a embarrassing thing will pop in my head and it ruins my day. But mostly it's future stuff. Um, yeah. That and a lot of people think who don't have anxiety and who don't have problems think that when you say future stuff, you mean like years from now. But sometimes it's literally like an hour from now. Right. I'm having anxiety about something that I have to do in one hour. I honestly think that's why I didn't sleep last night. Remember how I texted you this morning was like, I'm not sure why I was so anxious, but I think it's because of, yeah, it was because today was so busy, even though it was all filled with stuff that I enjoyed doing. It was just the thought of like, oh, wow, you have a big checklist for tomorrow. I think my brain was sort of attacking itself on that. So anyway, that was just my little side note. No, yeah, that happens to me all the time. The thing about meditation, though, is it's something you have to stick with and do every day. It's not something you get to do for like a week and stop and expect like the benefits yeah. to stick with you. Um, and it that's needs to what be a, become a part of your life. Yeah, that's what most people say. Most people say like, "I tried meditation; it just doesn't work for me." It's like, well, then you need to try it longer because yeah, most people right try then. it like once or twice and are like, "Nope, nothing doesn't work." It's like, no, you literally have to do it for like a month straight. And if you do it for a month straight, I guarantee you're going to be like, wow, I don't know how I lived without doing this. People need to think of it like starting to work out and exercise because I people do that exact same thing with working out. They're like, I worked out for a week and it just wasn't for me and I didn't lose any weight and I was frustrated. It's like one week isn't going to do anything, honey. Like just as you have to condition and work out your body and 
work up your endurance and get used to it and get better and better and stronger and stronger. You have to do that with your mind as well. It's like you're flexing and you're working out your brain and you're going to get better at meditation. You're going to get better at being still and you're going to get better at, you know, controlling and working on your thoughts. And it's like, it's all a practice. It is Guys, a practice. you can get there. I never worked out ever in my life. Like I was not a runner. I didn't do, I didn't work out. Like the most I ever did was like yeah. some yoga here and there. But when I started working out a little bit over a year ago, it sucked and I fucking hated it. And I did it because I was yeah. like, you're getting older. You're on a lot of medication that makes you gain weight. Like you have to do something to like get yourself yeah. moving. And you have a desk job like you have to work out. Right. And I hated it now today i mean i and i started with like 20 minute workouts and it was like 20 minutes of like whoo you really did it today ash but like now it's like (laughs) i work out for like an hour a day most days sometimes seven days a week and i look forward to it like when i wake up in the morning i'm like "Ooh, today i get to do cardio and it's like if you had told me that a year ago i would have been like you're out of your fucking mind there's no way i'm gonna get excited about doing (laughs) half an hour of cardio before I do half an hour of like upper body like no that's not gonna happen I love that and that's encouraging to me because I'm in the suck of it right now where I just started working out like two weeks ago and I'm still like dealing with like the sore muscles and feeling like crap and being so winded after I'm like why is this worth it I feel horrible I think it's once you start some people it's once you start like looking better I don't really I never really had a problem with my body for me. For me, I I need to start just feeling better. Yeah. For me, it's feeling stronger. Like I feel strong as hell. Like I can actually like I can't I obviously can't overpower Joe because that's just how women and men's bodies are. But like I can stand a chance now. Like I can actually like (laughs) you can put up a fight. Yeah. Not that like we fight, but you know what I mean? Like couples wrestle. That's why I'm laughing. I'm just imagining him like coming after you and you're like, oh, I'm going to like rough you up a little bit before you take me down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like super strong and I can do like I, I remember years ago. I tried to do a burpee and it was a joke. Um, It was a literal joke. And now I can do burpees for, you know, 10 minutes straight. You're like all the live long day. Bring it on. Yeah. It's so funny that you say burpees because that's what one of my workouts was the other day. And it like destroyed me. (laughs) And I will. I want to compliment myself that like I held my own because the cardio video went hard. And the first time I did it week one, I like stopped and I wasn't keeping up with the instructor on the video. I was like just standing there watching her do burpees. (laughs) But I did it. I did that same video again just this week. It was only a week later. Like sometimes you don't always see like your strength jump up in a week. So I'm not saying this happens to everybody, but I was able to do burpees the entire time and I did feel like I needed to call 911 for a second, <laughs> but I did it. I did so it. Proud. That's all that matters. Um, yeah. So yeah, so meditation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a big tangent. The only other advice I have that I can personally vouch for uh, as like an introvert who doesn't like to go out is to just fake it till you make it. Like literally fake oh, it. Yeah. If you're anxious to go out, pretend you're not anxious to go out like once you get there you're going to be fine and if you aren't fine you can leave but getting yourself there is the absolute hardest part so like Mm -hmm. pretend to be a different person if it helps you like pretend to be I've done this before pretend you're in a movie and you're about to have the best night of your life you won't but act like 
you will, just to get you to the party bar event. And then you can go back to being yourself. Or if you like being a movie star, be them instead. Who gives a shit? And do whatever you want. Yeah. And if you can't do it, like if you just can't get yourself to go, like for the love of God, just stop being so hard on yourself and just stay home yeah. from the party. Like it, no one's going to care. Right. Anyway. Anyway. That's so that's life, um, extroverts and introverts. Hopefully that made some people feel better knowing that it's not completely your fault. Because I know that sometimes um, introverts can uh, really, really, really shit on themselves yeah, for being for sure. the way that they are. And I'm not saying like just blame it on your brain, but right. you don't have to no, completely blame it on yourself. I think that was super helpful and interesting. I'm glad you... I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. That was great. Well done. Thank you. So, uh, now make us sad. <laughs> <laughs> so now we might be a little sad by this story. I had said earlier, maybe I could make a segue from Ashley's extroverts and introverts into this, but I have no idea what ah, this well. dude was. I kind of feel like maybe he was an extrovert because he liked to be around people a lot, but he was also just an asshole. So what category is that? I don't know. So first of all, to talk about why this is on this episode, we had a request from someone and I don't, I never saw a name attached to this request. So if it's you, please let us know. You requested real life magic and we didn't fully understand what that meant and we would love to know more. So please yeah, write please in to write us in. if that was you. I wasn't sure what that meant. Yeah, we didn't know where to take that. But then another person also requested foreign serial killers, which we could absolutely do a full episode on that. However, while I was doing some research on magic, I found a foreign serial killer who was a magician. And I was like, I just have to because <laughs> these are two perfect suggestions for like this has to go together. So not to say we're not still going to do a foreign serial killer episode. This is just like a small one off. But I had to throw it in here to combine what the people were asking for. So we're traveling to Russia today. And this guy's name, I'm probably going to pronounce it perfectly. So just like hold your applause. Um, <laughs> Georgi Martirosian. <laughs> Is it Grigori? It's not Grigori. Oh, okay. I, there's no R in the beginning. I actually went to one of those dumb YouTube like pronunciation videos and they said Georgi, but they said it like cooler than I'm saying right, it. Right, for sure. So just, just let me What be. was his last name? So... <laughs> You're so rude. No, I'm wondering. I can't do it. <laughs> Mart. We'll just call him GM. GM, Marta okay. Rosian. I'm actually going to start calling him by his dumb magic nickname in oh, a second. Good. So I'm going to be over it. But okay, so his name's Georgi. We're in Russia. So February 2013, he's 42 years old. Um, he is detained by police under suspicions that he had killed four women, all of whom were young, aspiring models in their 20s, working as sex workers at the time to make extra money while they went on auditions. This man was Georgi, who went on social media under the name Gosha the Wizard. Oh. He advertised <laughs> that he could make people successful and remove bad karma from their lives. He claimed that he had magical abilities to cleanse people's souls, look into their futures, multiply their fortunes. He could, you know, he basically had psychic abilities along with like potions and powers that worked for everything. So he was on Twitter and I think even LinkedIn at one time. And he also would put ads out into papers. And I read a little more on this. I guess in Russia, there is a huge part of the population that really believes in magic, which I didn't oh. know. Um, 
there's like a portion of the population that doesn't fully trust like the actual medical centers and doctors. And they believe that magic and cleansing is the way, the truth and the life sort of, and that they just need to go to a psychic or somebody who has special abilities to help them. So yes. So yeah, it's not that crazy to see these advertisements. Whereas when I was first reading the story, I was a little like, why did these girls believe him? But apparently it's not that crazy. So he's putting out these ads communicating with a lot of people. He has like very regular, he even calls them patients. He's basically saying like, yes, I'm a magical wizard and you are my patients that I'm actually treating and changing your life. So he actually saw numerous people and they would go to him for years and years. Like he was successful and he charged, it looks like in American currency, it would equal out to like $200 a visit. Oh my gosh. So this guy was making bank. Here's the thing though, that's so much cheaper than going to the hospital. It is. So it's like, again, I get so it. Like, these people Absolutely. Thought, yeah, these people thought magic could help them. It was more affordable. I can't really blame them. So um, his first victim was in 2011. It was a 23-year-old model named Natalia who had moved to Moscow to become a model. Um, she was new to the city, maybe just like six months, and she had become an escort and had a lot of rich clients. So she found an advertisement for Gosha the Wizard, and she started seeing him. And once she started um, working a lot more and gaining a lot more clients, she started bringing Gosha photos of her clients and asking him if they were good men and if she could trust them. And he would put his hands on the photos and basically give insight into each of these men and tell her if they were good or not. And so this is how it kind of started out. And then he eventually told her that she needed to drain her entire savings out of her bank account bring the money to him and he would put his hands on it and multiply her fortunes for her. But she had to empty the bank account first. And she actually told her parents about this like a couple days before she took all of her money out of the bank account. And they were like, Hey, Natalia, sweetie. Um, that's a terrible (laughs) idea. (laughs) This guy is conning you. This is a lie. And she was like, no, 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 you don't understand. He's my everything. So She goes ahead and does it. Um, She lived, like, her parents lived somewhere, like, an hour or two away. So she was just visiting, told them this, but is like, hey, I'm 23, I'm on my own now, bye. So she goes back to Moscow, brings him all of her money, and that is the last her parents heard from her for a while. So maybe a week, a week and a half went by, and they finally uh, decided it was time to go check on her because she wasn't answering her phone, neighbors hadn't seen her in a while, So they drive to her place in Moscow and they find her dead face down in her bathtub, sadly. So she's taken to get an autopsy and they find that she had a very large dose of heroin in her body, but that she had most likely died from asphyxiation. So the parents are immediately suspicious of the dude who freaking asked her to drain her bank account. Just she had been acting differently since she started seeing this guy. And they thought it was so fishy the way she died. She was never one to do drugs. But of course, police, as they do, this happens in the U.S. I think it happens everywhere. They're like, hey, she's an escort. This is just part of her job. Like they do a lot of drugs. They sleep with men. We are not even going to look any further into this. This is an overdose. We see it all the time. Goodbye. So they totally dismiss the parents, even though they're like, look into this dude. 
Um, but then a few months later, there are two more models found just the same way Natalia was. So police at first are still trying to brush it off. And they're like, hey, again, these are escorts. They're young. They're making bad decisions. It's an overdose, whatever. But then finally, when a fourth woman popped up, again, dead in the exact same way, large number of drugs looked like she had possibly been strangled. They were like, okay, I guess we'll look into this a little more. At the urgence of Natalia's parents, they finally start to question Gosha the wizard. And they look at the security footage of his building and see that all of the women who were dead had been coming in and out of his place. And at one point they saw Natalia go in with a bag. She left with nothing. And then Gosha left with the bag a little bit later that night. They weren't sure what was in the bag, but they both like looked super suspicious. We're looking over their shoulders. It looked really fishy. So they were like, dude, you're up to no good. You knew all of these women, even though you told us you didn't. It was you. And so they do a search of his house, find belongings of all these women in his house and find that he has hundreds and thousands of dollars of cash just like lying around in every corner of his house, clearly stolen from all these people. So they're able to finally make the arrest. So he was officially arrested and charged in 2013 after being a scammer for a couple of years and murdering four women. And then finally, after his trial in 2014, he was convicted on all four counts of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Good. Here's the thing about this guy. Good golly gosh. He's like really clever in one way and really fucking stupid in the other. And I'm not trying to like give any serial killers pointers, but I just feel like (laughs) so really clever to um, do this with sex workers because that is exactly what police would think. I think today those ideas are starting to change. I say that, but there's literally... uh, I wish I could remember what the show's called. Something in the Bayou. It's on yeah. Showtime? Question mark? Is it on Showtime? Because I watched it. Oh, maybe. It might be on Stars. I forget. It was something I had to download to watch yeah. it. But it's very good. It's very good. It's a like four or five, six part documentary about these murders happening in, in the Bayou in, in Louisiana. And it's happening today and it's the same thing where it's like these prostitutes are ending up strangled and the no one's doing anything about it like nothing's really being done and it's literally because of who they are they are drug users they are you know known um sex workers and that's why this case isn't being worked on so that was clever what wasn't clever is everything else Yeah, literally everything else he did. He left, like, he did not try to cover his tracks at all. Like, just had everybody's money sitting with him in his house. Like, had records of seeing all these clients. Didn't change his M.O. at his home. Because it's not like he's he's a serial killer. He's doing it for the money, which I guess you could still be a serial killer. But for me, that's sort of a different crime. He, I think, I just wonder when it turned to killing. And honestly, you just have to sit down with this man and interview him to get those answers because he was doing this for years and years. And it seems like at first it truly was just to scam people and get tons of money and say, bring me your entire life savings because I'm going to bless it and multiply your fortunes. Like he was clearly in it for the money. And I just wonder what changed to be like, now I need to get you out of the picture as well. Like, I don't, I'm just, I want to talk to this guy. I am intrigued how old was he again not a good when he way. got arrested did you say 42 yeah hmm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i don't know he's a fascinating man i just couldn't believe 
that like both of that existed. It was like, oh, a foreign serial killer who also practices magic. <laughs> this is just everything I was looking for. Yeah, that was um, oh. that was special. Yeah, I mean that you found it. It was special, but also the story was special. He's a special guy. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. And I also found it interesting that there aren't a ton of articles on him either. Like I really, one article popped up almost right away. And that's how I even found out about him. But then to do further research, like took a lot of work. So I'm also like, is Russia hiding him on purpose? Like now I'm all into conspiracy theories about it. Because I was just fascinated that there weren't like article after article about this weirdo. But there were very few. So it was interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I I wonder how that would work, you know, because like North Korea, we get no news from North Korea. Like there, no news comes out of North Korea. And I think Russia, you know, the comrades over in Russia, um, I think it's a little bit, it's a little loosey, it's a little more loosey goosey, but like not completely. So I do wonder if like it's harder to get news sources from russia or especially in english though that's one problem too where i found exactly i found some russian articles and i like could not find good translations and was like well what are you gonna do i'm not gonna give these people weird information that i got from this russian translation (laughs) (laughs) trying my best to decode it though luckily i found a couple of articles that spelled it out pretty perfectly and it's like yeah i didn't do like the deepest dive but i gave you the overview what i could this weirdo yeah, I gave you what I could. She did her best. Anyway, Anyways, that's Georgi. Georgi, the wizard. Um, Gosha, you said? Gosha the wizard? Gosha the wizard, cool. yep. Well, I'm going to go next. Another thing um, that's been suggested before and something I just watched an Unsolved Mysteries episode on. So oh now I'm, gosh, so I'll pumped. be obsessed. Is a phenomenon known as ghost lights. And most recently, mm-hmm. one of our longtime listeners, Emily Marenko, recommended we look into them. Hi, Emily. We love you, Emily. <laughs> I need to start writing songs for our listeners again. You should. Okay, so if you're from any small town anywhere, I know that you have your version of ghost lights, whether it's a park your car at the end of this dirt road and flash your lights twice before turning the car off and you'll see the ghost lights, ghost lights. Or at least once a month, we see these strange ghost lights hovering over the lake ghost lights. A lot of them can be explained away. Like, for example, I know the one in my hometown has to do with a nearby interstate that casts a weird mirage-like reflection. And so, like, that's the science behind that. That can be sort of debunked. And in some places, especially, like, swampier places, even though it sounds like a line from Men in Black, it really could be swamp gas. And yeah. I'm taking a quick aside from ghost lights here to talk about marsh gas because it's crazy fascinating and I don't know when I'll get a chance to do so again. Please do. So literally swamp gas not only inspired modern day jack-o'-lanterns. Um, I'm sorry, what? But also led to one of America's first ever science experiments. I'm so pumped about swamp gas. Oh my gosh. This is great. Back in the day, there was a legend, and the legend eventually garnered the name Will-o'-the-Wisp or Will-o'-Wisps. I don't know if you've ever heard Will-o'-Wisps before. Uh Uh-uh. So travelers wandering near a marsh would see the flicker of a light in the distance and confuse it with a candle in the window of a faraway home. But there was no candle. And as they followed the light into the marsh, the light would disappear. But not before the traveler found himself lost and eventually tangled in the reeds where few men would survive. Oh, shit. That was the legend. Creepy. And as I usually say, this was back when we didn't know stuff about stuff. 
So that was the legend of will-o'-wisps. And by some historical accounts, it was considered to be a satanic sprite that held a wisp of fire, which gave it the name will-o'-wisp. In other tales, however, it was the lost soul of a man named Jack, who, after being denied entry into the underworld, haunted the night with a homemade light, which was a burning piece of coal inside of a carved turnip. And he became known as Jack with the Lantern, which shortened to Jack O' Lantern. Jack O' Lantern. (laughs) Oh, well, I am obsessed. I never knew the history. Me neither. So obviously it wasn't the first guy to put a flame in a vegetable. Like that's a pagan ritual from the beginning of time. But the name Jack O' Lantern came from this fella. Oh, that's awesome. Or I guess it's not a fella. The satanic sprite and the old man Jack never existed. It's science. So basically, these flames occur when a blend of natural gas rises to the surface of a mire. And bogs are not like other bodies of water. They're stagnant and they're they're oxygen deprived. There's not much oxygen, which creates the perfect environment for bacteria and other organisms that live without oxygen. And many of those organisms belong to a group known as methanogens. And methanogens uh-huh. eat dead plant material. And as they break it down, they create methane gas. Ah, okay. And when it forms in bogs, it can get trapped underwater and is only released by a physical disturbance of some kind. So they're creating this like highly flammable gas. And if you've ever seen yeah. a bog or a marsh or anything, you've probably seen like the bubbles coming to the surface. Right. Them's swamp farts. Swamp farts coming up. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like swamp farts. Them swamp farts, baby. Them old swamp farts. That's hilarious, and I love it. The very first American science experiment occurred in 1783, and old George Washington was there. He was having a debate with his soldiers about how will-o'-wisps formed. And Washington, along with Thomas Paine, Thomas Paine, the guy who, like, handed out the common sense pamphlets and basically, like, paved the way to the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Paine, mm-hmm. him and Washington... Blamed natural gas for the glow, and most of the soldiers disagreed. They were like, nope, them's ghosts. So (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely ghosts. To settle the argument, they decided to take a pontoon boat out on the Millstone River, which was basically a marsh, and they took these long poles and basically poked the mud, and another guy would be holding a flame above the area that they were poking, and it didn't take long before a huge flash of fire erupted from the water. And George Washington was like, see... You backwards idiot. So (laughs) one thing no one has quite been able to figure out, though, is what sparks the gas to cause the flame. Because you still need something to spark. You still need a catalyst to make a flame. Some studies today seem to suggest that in the presence of decaying organic, organic material, the organisms can, but not always, but can produce a gas called phosphine. And when this gas reacts with oxygen, it causes phosphoric acid, which produces enough heat to spontaneously combust, which then in turn would cause a flame and an eruption if there's methane gas. But not everyone in the scientific community agrees with this theory. Some people believe that the chemical reactions are simply causing light, not fire and heat. So there's still a lot of debate on what causes swamp gas lights essentially. Right. Okay. But I would still, the reason I wanted to bring all that up is because I would still question anyone, including the United States government, who tried (sighs) to tell you that the strange light you saw in the sky or on the horizon was swamp gas. 
because there's yeah. like an extreme lack of visual evidence for this phenomenon. Like seriously, try to find a video of it on YouTube. I couldn't find it. And it's near impossible. I can't even find a photograph of it that doesn't look photoshopped. Oh, wow. So okay, if these balls of fire and these lights are so common, why is there no photographic evidence of it? It's probably because none of us find ourselves wandering through swamps and bogs at night. True. But also, there are way fewer marshes today than there were centuries ago. Like, we covered most of them up. Yeah. So, swamp gas, flomp gas. That's what I always say. (laughs) I love it. No, go on. (laughs) One quick thing to add to the, like, to add to that is my mom works at a nature preserve in Florida. She lives in Tampa. And she said, like, there used to be stories about ghost lights appearing over, like, the marshes at the preserve. And it's the same thing. You can't find any photos or video. It's all just hearsay. But that's so funny because I was thinking in my head the whole time you're saying that. I was like, I don't think I've heard much about, like, swamp gas or, like, any connection to the lights. But I'm now just remembering that my mom had mentioned that. And she was like, you need to mention Brooker Preserve on your podcast because they've had (laughs) ghost lights. But I remember looking it up thinking, like, oh, could this be worth it for the episode? And there's just no evidence to make it worth it. But folks climb. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a it's like a written and oral record, and there's no. F- and the thing is, everyone has iPhones now. Yeah, so I'm like, whip it out and show so why me. Why wouldn't we have a photograph of it? Right, I agree. Yeah. I hear you. So, uh, ghost lights. I'm specifically going to talk about the most famous one, and they're known as the Marfa lights. M A R F A. I always thought it was Martha, like Marfa. the name Martha, but yeah. it's Marfa. I'm glad you spelled yeah. it because I thought you said Martha. Okay, Marfa. So in 1883, the f- in the fields near Marfa, Texas, cowboys were herding literal thousands of cattle across the countryside. And one night, a cow hand, this is like the first recorded event of someone witnessing this. A cow hand named Robert Ellison noticed something strange in the distance. It was a mysterious light hovering a few feet above the ground a couple miles away. And uh, his daughter said that they first thought it was a small campfire made by Native Americans or other travelers or something. But they continued to see the lights many, many times over the next few years. And they were never able to find evidence of campfires or like evidence that anyone was there at all. They never figured out what they were. Then in 1916, an 18-year-old named Hallie Stilwell was driving to Marfa for business when she and several others saw the lights on the nearby Chinati mountain range. And they did not believe the lights were coming from a car. They too thought the lights were small fires until they started to move back and forth. Hallie and the others started calling them ghost lights. That was the first time they started, they were called ghost lights. Um, In 1943, the lights were seen again near Marfa's army base by a couple of airmen. And at that time, there was no vehicle traffic at night because there was fuel rationing going on because it was World War II. So there was no no cars were driving. When one of the airmen spoke to the people that lived in Marfa, he learned that the phenomenon was well-known in the town and actually well-loved in the town. Mm. Hundreds of residents of Marfa have reported seeing them over the years. Most of them are not afraid, and they actually treat the lights with affection, like they love the lights. Well, that's adorable. Yeah, they don't think we should bother the lights. (laughs) They're basically like, hey, we don't know what they are, but like, leave them alone. Protect the lights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have some respect. A few residents have reported seeing the lights several times throughout their life. 
Strangely enough, this is interesting. A teacher named Lee Bennett said that she was with three friends when she saw the lights. Four people total. Two of them did not see them even though they were all looking in the same spot. Whoa. So what does that mean? Are the lights, yeah, is everyone able to physically see them? If it is something paranormal, maybe not. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So maybe only some people can perceive them as lights. or two of her friends needed glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it could just just be be a vision issue. (laughs) Also, it should be noted that Native Americans of that area long before the 1880s knew of the lights as well. Um, and they said that they were fallen stars or fallen gods. So, like, they've been oh. around for a long time. Forever. That's very cool. Several people have tried to investigate the lights and find out what they are, but all attempts have been unsuccessful. There have been so many theories, but no one can prove or disprove them. Um, some people have said ball lightning. Hmm. Which doesn't seem to be the case because ball lightning usually occurs when there's lightning lightning, like cloud to ground lightning. Yeah. And these occur without any lightning. Yeah, there's no thunderstorms happening. And yeah. also okay. the longest ball lightning has been re- observed in recorded history is like a minute and 12 seconds. But people have watched the Marfa lights for upwards of half an hour. Oh, wow. So okay. it's not ball lightning for sure. No. Another explanation has been St. Elmo's fire, which is another weather phenomenon. Uh, it mostly happens at sea. From what I've heard, stories of St. Elmo's fire, it happens at sea a lot, but apparently it happens on land too. But basically, during a thunderstorm again, or weirdly enough, a volcanic eruption. Oh my, okay. <laughs> this luminous plasma is created by an electrical discharge from a sharp or pointed object in an electric field in the atmosphere. So again, like you need a thunderstorm, you need a volcanic eruption to even get St. Elmo's fire. Yeah. So probably not that. Also, St. Elmo's fire has only been witnessed to glow bright blue or purple and usually has a distinct hissing or buzzing sound of which the Marfa lights don't have either of those things. They're usually orange, yellow, or white and look like campfire flames and no sound has ever been recorded. Okay. So another thing to cross off the list. Not that. A journalist named Kirby Warnock and several of his friends wanted to find out what the lights were. And they figured that no one had ever gotten close to the lights because they were using cars or four-wheelers or motorcycles, um, things like that, to reach them. And they felt that if it was supernatural or paranormal, the vehicles would scare the lights away. So they decided to hike towards them one night. And they said they tried to get closer and closer to the lights, but they never could. The lights seemed to move away from them. Oh, wow. Okay. Or were some kind of optical illusion where they looked like they were originating at one point, but in reality, it was very far away. Mm -hmm. But if that was the case, if it was that far, it would be a very large light wherever it was coming from. And that would mean someone would have to have been able to figure out what was causing it. Yeah. Agreed. So in the Unsolved Mysteries episode that I watched, they sent three scientists from a local observatory and university to investigate the lights, a chemistry professor, an astronomer, and a geologist. And with them were 11 other technicians and observers. And this happened in July of 1989. So basically, they set up in the middle of this field facing where everyone always reports seeing the lights. And um, they had to place two marker lights on the borders of a road because there is a road in that direction. And they wanted to rule out Going towards the lights. Yeah, like if you're looking, you can also see headlights driving 
Okay. Through. There's like a, a, a small right. road. So some okay. people have said it's just car lights. So they place markers on either side of this road to show like exactly where the road was and they could rule out car lights. They use special nighttime viewing equipment and at exactly 11.59 p.m., an unknown light appeared to the investigators far from the highway. Wasn't even close. The light was clearly visible and the investigators had no explanation for it. They ended up concluding that whatever it was was a natural phenomenon that as of today has not been explained by science. No one can explain it. No. That was in 1989. No one's been able to explain it since. And they're still seen to this day. What? How? How has no one solved this? What is the light? (laughs) There's a a ton of theories, like I said, like before, but also some people have said refracted starlight, which like, okay. But like these lights have, they've been seen doing all kinds of things like hovering. They've merged together. They've split in two. They flicker. They float. Sometimes they dart quickly across the land. Like it feels like they're doing their own movement and they're not just either a reflection or a refraction of something else. Like they're doing their own thing. What the heck are they? aerospace engineer believes that the Marfa lights are the result of the igneous rock beneath Mitchell Flat that creates a piezoelectric charge, which is electricity produced under pressure by solid matter like minerals and crystals. But that's still that's speculation so far. And that's not something that we've really seen happen anywhere else as frequently and for as long of a time. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's been happening regularly for sure since, like, 1898 or whatever, 1889. Yeah. And there were legends of it before that. My goodness. Also, just so you know, if you watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode, I'll have to figure out exactly what episode it was. But they show the, the investigation. They actually show the videos of the lights. Okay, good. I was literally thinking, like, is there somewhere I can see this? Because I am fascinated and I need to see that investigation. (laughs) And you can see videos of it online, too. Okay. I'm really blown away by this. It's obviously not a hoax. Hoaxes don't go on for hundreds of years. No, no, no. Yeah, the history with this doesn't match up to a hoax. Yeah. No one can prove what it is. So some people think it's like the ghost of Native Americans. Um, Some people think that... Uh, it's aliens there's all kinds of theories emily actually our listener the reason she asked us to talk about ghost lights is because she's actually seen and photographed strange orangish lights from her home in alaska oh my gosh so i couldn't find any major stories about ghost lights um near the where she lives but i found a ton of stories of ufos fitting the description Mm. and um If you Google, I've never even known this. If you Google orange orb UFO, you will find article after article on the growing phenomenon. It's happening way more frequently all over. And again, there's no adequate explanation for them as of yet. But experts have ruled out meteors, weather balloons, known aircraft and satellites and drones. Guys, and... it's aliens. That's just it's <laughs> that's the answer. I don't know why we're still talking about it. Aliens have come. Well, that was the thing is I was like, maybe it is aliens. So one of the things I was able to rule out, something that we've discussed a lot on our show, is the fact that UFO sightings near nuclear power plants are disproportionately high. 
So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, maybe there's a nuclear power plant there somewhere. There is an army base there, which is interesting. But oh, the yeah. closest nuclear plant is about 500 miles away. So that theory was... Oh, okay. Doesn't no. fit that. Womp, womp. So yeah, Marfa ghost lights. There's also the Brown Mountain Lights in North Carolina, the St. Louis Light in Canada, the Joplin Spook Light in Oklahoma. Well, that's my the favorite Gurdon of the names. Light. The <laughs> Joplin, Joplin Spook, Spook Light? <laughs> that should be the name of a band. <laughs> <laughs> the Gurdon Light in Arkansas. And I guess, what was yours, your mom was saying? The oh, I don't know Brook- if there's a name. It's called the Brooker Creek Reserve Preserve. So Brooker Creek Lights. Yeah, so so they're, Tampa Lights? I don't know. <laughs> it happens regularly enough that there's a term for it ghost lights yeah but uh no one knows what it is yet and this is one of those things where it's like in 40 years we might be like those idiots back in 2020 didn't know what this is totally like it could absolutely be figured out in our lifetime which is cool but in the meantime it's fun to believe as we like to say that (laughs) maybe it's something supernatural love that thank you for bringing ghost lights to life and thank you emily for that suggestion I'm so jealous that you have names attached to the suggestions because I just went in to when you took that Instagram poll and like I could see all of the things that were suggested, but there was no username. So I'm the a-hole who's just like somebody. But we did have a listener suggest infrasound. So you guys know the drill. You can always message us, comment on our stuff, like let us know it's you so we can give you proper credit. But um, infrasound was suggested to us, which is a great thing to go into after talking about ghost lights. That's a phenomenon yeah. we see with our eyes. Now we're going to go into something crazy that involves the ears and audio. That we see with our ears. We see it with our ears, everybody. Get <laughs> ready. So infrasound is fun. Um, I like it. It's very interesting to me. It also almost seems like it would be an enemy to the podcast because we talk about all things that are, you know, spooky and bizarre. And infrasound uh, honestly could explain away some paranormal mm-hmm. things. So I'm going a little in a different direction with this, but feel free to debate us, everybody. So infrasound, which is a low frequency sound, basically, it describes sound waves with a frequency below the lower limit of audibility for humans, which is anything below 20 hertz. So we can all hear uh, anything from 20 hertz up to 20,000 hertz. Anything below is infrasound and anything above is ultrasound, a very high frequency sound. So um, hearing becomes gradually less sensitive as frequency decreases. So for us to perceive infrasound, the volume would have to be really high. Um, That is one myth, is that no one can hear infrasound. We can only feel it, which is the most common reaction to infrasound. We feel the vibrations, but it is a low frequency, not a volume. So if someone were to crank the volume really high on infrasound, you would be able to hear some of the sounds coming. Um, But for the most part, we can't hear it. We feel it with our bodies. So the study of these sound waves is called infrasonics, and there are studies of infrasound all over the damn world because it is involved in so many things. So infrasonics studies anything from 20 hertz all the way down to 0.1 hertz, which is crazy, crazy low. But (laughs) they use this frequency range to monitor earthquakes and volcanoes. Volcanoes coming up again in two stories. There's lots of natural events, but also man-made events that happen with infrasound. But some of the natural events are any type of severe weather, really, like um, earthquakes, 
Um, also tornadoes, it looks like, meteor, meteors, lightning, um, <laughs> lots of things that happen with the ocean, like wave patterns. They can all produce infrasound and people can, you know, predict if certain storms are going to happen or how big things are going to be by using infrasonics, which is really cool. Um, you can locate an avalanche using, using infrasonic rays. Oh, wow. Which I think is really cool. And they can detect tornadoes several minutes before they touch down. If a tornado is actually forming and it's not just funnel clouds, which I think is really cool. Um, Also in nature, there's animal communication. Our little friends, the whales and elephants use infrasound to communicate with each other and also alligators, but gosh, I hate them. And I didn't even want to mention (laughs) that. Gosh, I hate them. I don't even want to talk about them right now. Don't want to talk to them. I hate that they use infrasound to communicate and tell each other to murder us. And I don't like it one bit. Um, But yeah, a lot of animals use it to communicate with each other and African elephants especially use it. Um, Also, there are a few human singers in the world that can produce notes in the infrasound range, which I thought was fascinating. It's like crazy, crazy rare, very few people, but there's a guy named Tim Storms who's the most famous for it, and he can produce low-frequency sounds in the infrasound range, which is just awesome, and you can look him up and see what you think about it. Another singer uh, is Brittany Snow from Pitch Perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. God, I love that. I love when she, what does she it's get nodes. taken out? She, yeah, she got her nodes removed. And was like, I have nodes. <laughs> She's the bass all of a sudden. It's so good. Um, yeah, so Brittany Snow, guys, keep that in mind. <laughs> Um, Some other human-created sources of infrasound are um, sonic booms or explosions, both chemical and nuclear, or machinery like diesel engines and most popularly wind turbines, which I was fascinated to look into this. Wind turbines, which we've all seen hanging around out in the middle of, usually out in the middle of the desert, I would say. Some of us have problems with them. Yes. There, I did not realize... (laughs) For the amount of eagles they kill. Yes, they do kill some animals, but there are actually anti-wind groups, they're called, which I'm sorry, that just made me giggle, but I'm sure these people, you know, they're having a lot of problems and I want to respect their cause, but they're like (laughs) actually called anti-wind groups and they go and protest anytime wind turbines are being put up somewhere near a community because not just because of the eagle deaths, which are important, but because they believe that the infrasound that's coming out of the wind turbines is affecting people negatively. And they are producing infrasound and low, these low frequencies are coming out. But however, the people who are putting them up fight back saying they're putting out such a small amount of infrasound that it's basically the same amount as naturally occurring infrasound that we deal with every day in our life and that people are hyping up what wind turbines are putting out and making too big of a deal out of it. And it's basically a psychological thing. That's sort of what they're telling these anti-wind turbine groups is that like hey you guys are seeing these wind turbines and making up in your head that the infrasound is keeping you up at night when really you probably are just anxious because we put a wind turbine up and you think it's bad lauren how could you say that there are piles and piles of eagles (laughs) beneath every wind turbine you're right i'm sorry the eagles Um, yes, Ashley actually is a proud member of an anti-wind group, and she (laughs) is here to tell you about it right now. 
Yeah, so those wind turbines are probably like the most popular human source that is producing infrasound, but it's supposedly a very small amount. Um, animals are very famous to perceive infrasonic waves coming through the earth and are able to predict when something is about to happen. So one of the biggest examples was in the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and then tsunami. A lot of animals were reported to have fled the area hours before, like pets just sprinting out of the house, um, birds flying away, like every creature just fleeing the area before the tsunami hit the shores of Asia. So nobody knows for sure what the causes. Some say that it could have been electromagnetic waves, could be infrasonic waves. They're not positive, but it is interesting that this happened. There's been more occurrences in the same way where it's like at the same timing that an infrasonic wave could be picked up by some sort of machinery. It's the same timing that an animal is like fleeing the area. So animals just know they're sensitive to that stuff, you guys. Yeah, I mean, you look, I've talked about it before, like, Gabby has woken me up 45 seconds before, before an earthquake, earthquake actually hits. Yes. Like, Which freaking out. Yeah. And they it's feel like it. They know that it's about to happen. Infrasound, guys, they're picking it up. To jump into history for a little, now that we've, you know, talked about science and the nature of it all. So, back in World War One is when we first started to see things. Allies in World War One were using infrasound to locate artillery. So it goes as far back as that. And then fast forward to 1960, one of the most famous scientists is French scientist Vladimir Gavreau. And his interest uh, came about because in his lab, him and his assistant started to experience a lot of their um, tools shaking and vibrating and they couldn't explain it. And we're all looking at each other like, excuse me. And then as the days <laughs> went on, the shaking would occur. And then some of the lab assistants said they also were experiencing pain in their eardrums, but the microphone was not one of the microphones they were using in their experiments was not picked, picking up any audible sound. So, Vladimir was able to conclude that it was infrasound because they found a large fan or duct system above um, that was most likely producing an infrasound wave. So they started to do experiment experiments, found it was an infrasound wave coming from the fan. And then he started changing all of his experiments to focus on infra. I cannot talk tonight. Infrasound. <laughs> because he was so excited that this was happening. And he's like, wait, the pain in the eardrum, the vibrating, we need to look into this. So then he brought in an organ pipe, a huge organ pipe, and made an infrasonic whistle and started doing all these tests on people and forcing groups of people to come in a room and listen to a concert where infrasound was being produced and reading what the people were saying. And everyone was feeling like feelings of dread and, you know, feelings of anxiety and depression. And this is kind of where that all kicked off of like, infrasound is doing something a little crazier than just making stuff vibrate. So he kind of kicked that off. And then we fast forward again into the 1980s, where probably the most famous person to deal with infrasound came forward. It was an engineer named Vic Tandy, and he was working in a laboratory designing medical equipment. And rumors going around in the lab were that it was extremely haunted. Everybody was talking about it. I was like, I can't believe, dude, you're working so late here every night. There are ghosts everywhere and you're crazy. And he was like, guys, it's fine. You're all just seeing stuff. So one night he's working on his own in the lab and he begins to feel super uncomfortable, like chills up his spine, like somebody's watching him. He breaks into a cold sweat. All the hairs are standing up on his neck. He was convinced that somebody was in there with him, but he was, of course, alone. 
Then out of the corner of his eye, he sees a gray shape drifting by slowly. And then he turned around to face it and it was gone. So he was super freaked out. He went straight home. He's like, oh, crap. Everybody was right. Oh, crap. It's totally haunted. (laughs) It's absolutely haunted. They were right. So the next day, Tandy goes back again. He's like, it's fine. It's the daylight. We're good. Um, He was an avid fencer. He really enjoyed fencing. So he had his... I don't even know what you call it. His little sword hanging off to the side. Sword doesn't seem like the right word. Somebody correct me. I bet there's a term for uh, it. But. Pokey guy. The po- the pokey guy. Because I just wrote guy. down blade. I didn't even take the time to call it what it was. But he noticed that his blade, which was clamped in the vise, was vibrating up and down very fast, which made absolutely no sense. And he found, finally, after further research, that the vibrations were caused by a standing sound wave. That was bouncing between the end of the walls in the laboratory, and it was reaching a peak in the center of the room, and that anything he put in the center of the room was starting to vibrate. And upon further measure, it was found that it was vibrating at 19 hertz, which is just below in the infrasonic area. So... He found that it was produced by an extractor fan, and when the fan was turned off, the sound wave disappeared and the vibration stopped. So he was realizing it's all about frequency here. 19 hertz is the range that he could start to measure things in. There was nothing that he could hear, but there was absolutely a sound wave traveling back and forth in the room. So then he, the same way that Vladimir did, became fascinated with this and was like, this is all I'm going to put my attention on now. So he started to experiment more with low frequencies and discovered that it greatly affects humans and animals in many ways, causing discomfort, dizziness, blurred vision, and by even vibrating your eyeballs. I know, which is why people sometimes see what they think is a ghost or some sort of figure out of the corner of their eye, because usually your your eyeballs are vibrating at just the right level that you start to see a figure out of your eye, even if nothing is there. Um, You can even begin to hyperventilate. You can have panic attacks or feel dread and fear as if something is watching you, something is with you. And this is all caused by the vibrations, which is crazy town. So... Basically, people got word that Tandy was studying this and doing all of this in his own lab, and they started to bring him to, like, different haunted locations. He basically became like the Warrens. People would call him and be like, yo, I know you are studying infrasound, and I want to see if that's what's going on in my place, because I keep seeing a gray figure. It's always gray, which I'm not sure exactly why the color gray comes out from, you know, that vibration, the eyeballs, but almost everyone reports seeing what they think is a woman in gray or a gray specter, they'll call it, or gray figure. So he's going into these houses and testing it out. And in most cases, he was able to find some sort of fan or some sort of air duct or anything that was producing infrasound and infrasonic waves were bouncing around in the place. And he was able to disprove any type of paranormal activity. Not in every case, which that is what makes me hold on to hope, is that he would go into some locations and be like, I can't find any source of infrasound here, and you're on your own. You are haunted, and good luck. But Call someone else. Call someone else, you know? You might need a priest, I'm not sure. But in most cases, he was able to find a source and say what you are experiencing is just based on these infrasonic waves, which I just thought was so fascinating. And even furthermore, along the lines of creepy, is a lot of horror movies use infrasound to creep you out. I was going to say that. Yes. Most popularly is the movie Paranormal Activity, which I feel like we just talked about um, randomly recently on an episode. and how We talked about it on uh, our What Was That? Yes, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what it was. I was like, why are we talking about that? Yeah, those movies really creep me out anyway. I think they're 
actually very well done with, you know, being on security footage in people's homes and the way they portrayed it. But they have now admitted that they use some infrasound in their music, these really low frequency sounds to give you that feeling of dread right before something really scary happens. And it's coming out that a lot of movies do that. They're trying to give you a feeling of anticipation, a feeling of anxiety, and putting a fear into your soul before something pops out and scares the shit out of you. So I think that's really cool that movies use that because we don't even realize we're hearing it. And sometimes it's, we're not hearing it. We're sensing it with our bodies. And I think that's a really cool way to amp up scary movies. And I dig it. So, I agree. Yeah. Those are kind of I, the main things with like hauntings and scary movies. But I mean, infrasound is everywhere. So you may have felt it in your life when you thought someone was watching you or haunting you and you didn't even know it. Um, I also think that just like anything, I think that some people are more sensitive to infrasound than others. Yes, for sure. Like you could be in the same room as someone and experience it while the other person didn't feel, hear, or sense anything at all. Right. Um, because there's, cry. yeah, there's certain towns. I wish I could remember um, the name of the town. I th I think it's in New Mexico, that one town that like, the residents like don't sleep because they hear a sound all the time. Oh yeah. And I know what you're talking about. Not all of them. It's like some of them hear it, some of them don't. Totally. And it drives them crazy. And it's not just there. There's uh, places in other countries too where there are just certain places where like everyone that lives there half of them hear this shit and the other half don't and they're like they can't live their lives like they totally. don't sleep they yeah. get sick a lot and um i but i do believe infrasound was tested in the one that's in the united states which i wish i could remember what it was but um infrasound was tested there and they didn't find anything significant oh so it wasn't infrasound no then. and they actually so what think the heck that is happening uh, the latest thing that I've heard is that they think it's like a mass hysteria type thing. Like okay. basically it's all in their heads. Yeah. Which it's like, mm, man, I just, I know that that's a thing that happens, but I, it's just you hard just for me to believe so that. You just feel so bad for those people, <laughs> yeah. like telling them like, sorry, you made it up. And it's like, but they're not sleeping. <laughs> like, what can we do? <laughs> oh, I'm so curious what it is then. I thought you were about to be like, yeah, and it was infrasound and that was all she wrote, but. That's no, rough. I think that they tested it. I um uh global it's it's called the mysterious hum. Hmm. I definitely have heard of that, but I don't know a lot about it, so I'll have to go and read about that. Yeah, but... we'll have to talk about it someday. Maybe we already have. <laughs> I I know. There's been so many moments lately now that we're in season yeah. four where Ashley and I are like, let's bring up this topic, and then one of us a couple days later is like, we did an entire episode. <laughs> We've already discussed that. Okay, all right. Um, all right, then. Yeah, infrasound is crazy. I like it a lot. Um, I, it just, it's very interesting to me that something can affect your body so deeply that is a sound wave. Like, it's, I just think science yeah. is crazy, you guys. Science is nuts. And there's so much that we don't understand. Right. About there's our so bodies and we're learn. still learning. Yeah, exactly. Every yeah, day, I always um, explain infrasound as, like, the opposite of a dog whistle. Yes, exactly. It's like just because we don't hear it the same way that dogs do doesn't mean it's not producing that sound. Right. And like I was saying, if you were to turn up the volume on a lot of low frequencies, we would be able to hear them. It's just usually at a low frequency, low volume as well. And so it's just 
it's a simple vibration, but the sound is happening. You can amp it up in certain situations. Um, yeah. And then on the other hand, there's ultrasound, which is that high pitched sound that usually only dogs can hear. And we cannot also used in a lot of nature and science as well in lots of medical situations. It's all crazy. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to our loyal listeners as well as our patrons who donate to our show every month and keep us rocking and rolling. If you want to donate to our show, head over to patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast to sign up. You'll get bonus episodes and newsletters every month. You can also support us by buying some merch. You can do that by heading over to etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast. We just got a bunch of new merch. We still have our older designs as well. So go nuts. Do it. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well so you can get alerts as soon as any of our videos get uploaded. We have our news segment, This Week in Weird, where we bring you strange news stories from all over the world, as well as, again, our brand new segment called What Was That?, where we bring you spooky videos, pics, and EVPs. And uh, join us next week when I'm so excited for wait. the first time in forever. forever. We are going to be talking about aliens. You guys, it's been since season one and we are so pumped. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've been collecting stories and theories oh ever since. So I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. It is, of course, just going to be me and Lauren because we're um, recording remotely. But I might see if Joe will pop on with me for a little yeah, alien chat. Yeah, because you know he loves that shit. He Anyways, does. what's our sign off? Oh, man. Um, infrasound and ultrasound and murderers in Russia. <laughs> then you find a little volcano that produces a ghost light. And then you find an extrovert to walk with you to the beach. And then some more infrasound comes in from the ocean and you poop your pants. You really, you started to lose it there at the end, but I'm glad you found it again. <laughs> well, it's because in my head I was like, shit, what else did we talk about today? So I was really trying to connect everything. It was that, that was the song that never ends. I know. I'm sorry I dragged you on. Thank you for humming along to that, though. Yeah, you're welcome. No, I was really into it. Okay, great. And um, um, keep it weird. Keep it weird. <laughs> Love you guys. That was so stupid. Testing, testing. Well, that's not going to help our sound. Please, no banging, sir.